use an analogy there's a light bulb to be changed you've got a stool and your daughter or son is going to change it and they get on the stool and it's slightly wobbly you've got a bit of a choice i'll do it and they're never going to learn we can let them do it watch them it's going to start to wobble and if they fall catch them before they hit the ground because yes you will have to take risks what being an entrepreneur is about if not you might as well be a banker got to be prepared to risk it is that simple when i met lewis and ben were two young guys bouncing around the gym full of testosterone but for some reason i like them and that's where it started and he went from from there why did you help them i really don't know did you know at the time the potential no currently md in your current business hara two daughters i've got holly who's the ceo georgia yeah she's the cbo so chief brand officer we wanted to buy a company that was moving rather than start from scratch mm. their expertise is different to what i've got holly was brought up in buying and merchandising georgia's into pr what would you say in the hera business is the biggest challenge that you see is the fact is you've got to really work hard now before you start this episode please can you click subscribe below and follow our social handles in the description it's a massive help and it keeps you up to date with all the exciting announcements from the podcast well look, thanks uh, very much paul for for coming on yeah thanks aaron appreciate you giving us some time yeah um I'm going to start the, uh, the podcast with the same as we do with everybody and I'll put you under pressure straight away. Okay. So hopefully you're up for it. Yeah. So I'll give, give you a minute to go from effectively start of the life pool to now. And you've got a minute to go and do it. Oh, you're up for uh, the challenge? Yeah, why not? Why not? Give it a go. Okay, give it a go. Yeah, so um, started with sort of nothing with uh, my dad and my mom. So my, my dad was a bit of a wheelie dealer. Um, come through waste management, skip hire and stuff like that. Um, then decided in sold out in 1989 uh, first company then sold that and my dad died in uh, about a year afterwards then went on to have my own company in 1992 sold that in 2000 that was waste management and recycling yeah became the largest one there uh, then moved back into um, sort of bought several businesses so one was taking uh, fuel tanks out the ground um, chemical waste management uh, then bought All Saints from the receivers went into Birmingham City Football Club as a non-exec PLC board member um, back into waste management sold that went into nappy recycling which was quite interesting 2009 plus um, Gymshark 2014-ish um, to 2021 and then present date where we've got Hera, Energym, Arcs and a sort of multitude of others. That's a long, uh, I think you've managed that in about a minute I think. Most people take about two, three minutes but you, you got there in the end yeah. which is good. I think w- w- that there's tons of questions that we've got from listeners and there's some bits and pieces that I want to go through as well and understand sort of your journey as such because um, the whole spirit of the podcast is being being honest with listeners so people can take away actual tangible things that you've done that they can maybe replicate yeah. in their own life far away all that sort of stuff so let's hide. so you've mentioned that you sort of upbringing an early life so take me through kind of early life for you what was it like yeah i mean um i sort of a couple of podcasts ago i mentioned that you know i was i was going to be born into an orphanage my yeah. mom were, was pregnant um back in 1959 showing age now. yeah I know, I know. <laughs> um, but i've got to say it um and in those days you know that wasn't a good thing to be so i was going to be born into a, an orphanage and um when i when i was born she couldn't do it and so basically um took took me and herself back to her mom and dad's my dad had buggered off by then he was yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a lad 
Um, so that was my sort of very early start. You know, it was um, it was why I'm really, really close to my mom. She's 91, still alive. And my dad passed about 30, just over 30 years ago. Um, so that was sort of the real start of it. Um, my dad came back and then we embarked upon a journey of sort of um, all sorts of things. So our first place to live, apart from living at my mom's mom and dad, my granddad and, and uh, my granny's, was, um, was a caravan on a pub car park yeah hooked up to a van um my mom doesn't know where my dad got the caravan from yeah so he never asked um and i think i've mentioned before you know he was he was in and out of jail a couple of three times uh, and i said he he's, just wasn't a very good criminal you know yeah. just wasn't very just good got caught. That's it. um <laughs> But yeah, his 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 work ethic was, you know, he, he sort of found it and uh, went from there and started off in, you know, uh, green grocers and sort of coffee house, the other bait and egg type sort yeah. of coffee houses, rather than the sort of uh, sort of uh, uh, poached egg and sort of uh, smashed avocado ones you get today. Absolutely, yeah, yeah you know, more basic yeah. ones. Yeah. That's where they started, and that's where I come from. You yeah, know, that's my very very early days. You know, childhood uh, moved around a lot. Never stayed in the same place for very long. Yeah, I can't remember my early school days. So, um, what were you like at school? Um, I was average. You know, um, I was average and, and maybe maybe just above, if that. But in terms of me work and my work ethic, I always wanted to earn money, even as a young boy. You know, I was always out with my dad. Anything I could do to earn some money and pocket money, and that was what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, but school-wise, um, as I said. I mean, I didn't play on a grass football pitch until I was in my, what I would call senior school. Okay, so 11, yeah. 11 years old. Never seen grass. The old cement pitches and it would whatever. be it would be yeah. playgrounds, you know, tarmac and stuff like that. So, um, and I do take remember, a tumble on that. Yeah, isn't there, right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And and the the, the first time, um, I remember at school, um, we've got to go and play football. I hadn't got any football boots. Yeah. Um, so for some reason, I never asked my dad because he wasn't a sports person. Yeah. And instead, I ran away from school. Okay. So I just I sort of ran away and sort of hid. And eventually they found me and it was all to do with the fact I hadn't got any football boots because I'd never played on grass. Yeah. So he went out and fair play to him, bought me the best football boots that he, he could get. Yeah. And, and that was it. And I fell in love with football then at that point and, and, and played and, and stuff like that. But yeah, that was the early doors. You any good? I was okay. Um, I had a big. You egging so that up was, or egging it down or what? I was, cap- <laughs> I was captain for a while because I think I just shouted the most, and I'm very organised and yeah. stuff. But um, at, at some point further down the line, work again came where it was. Got make the work choice, haven't you? Yeah. In terms of Saturday jobs, and I chose. I chose work. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I had the same thing. Sort of fourteen, fifteen. I was good at athletics, really quick. So I was county champion at hundred meters and triple jump at fourteen. But then comes choices I was earning yeah. also I got a job 15 and a half told them I was 16 and a half so I forged my passport photocopy <laughs> got in the call centre and I was doing two three hundred pound a week wow. at that age so I was loving it and it was gone yeah. in about a day yeah you know straight down the pub yeah and I picked the pick the money over sport yeah same reality, yeah. same really I mean I, I wouldn't have been good enough to be a footballer anyway yeah and so that was obviously you know that so you think well okay I can do that or I can do this and, and work and working was always my life how did you kind of get? So you started your business, your first business. Obviously, you had a very successful business career. Still have. Um, what a lot of people don't know is obviously the start of your career was in sort of waste management and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was it was skipper. So my dad was um, an opportunist. He was he was he got bored very very easily. Yeah. So we would do one thing and then he'd be bored. Yeah. So we would then look for something else, and he got um, a sort of 
the, the coffee house sort of thing that we got was in the centre of Birmingham. Yeah. And I think people keep coming in and saying, we need to get a parcel delivered. I mean, there's no Amazon or anything like that. Yeah. Then, and and no, no big parcel delivery companies. We need to get it done and we need to get it done now. So he, I think he sort of said, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And he got a little van or something. And then he formed a, a transport company called Panic Transport. So Panic being, I need it now. If you need it, yeah. So, yeah. so his name was Tommy, so it was called Tommy Panic. Okay. And, um, and he sort of got, and, you know, we got a little truck and another truck and another truck. He decided to do that, then got bored of that. And someone said that Skip I was the thing to be in. So then he bought us a skip wagon and some skips and started doing that. Yeah. And that was our first business that I was properly involved with. Um, I wasn't old enough to drive the trucks because you need to be 21. So yeah. um, working up towards that, I would be mechanic in. I would be driving okay. the transport stuff and doing all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. So, but back in those days, it was, you know, you were lying under trucks and in the rain and the snow. And, you know, we we didn't have a workshop of any description. We were yeah. doing it in, we actually used to do it in the street. Okay. Yeah. You know, outside, Just outside the, the yard. Just outside the yard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, outside the yard that we got, you know, there was no toilet in the in the yard we got so we had to yeah. put the garage up the road and you know proper you know old school stuff yeah so what's the fondest memory you've got from that sort of time um wow just the just you just worked it was fantastic it it, it was the achievement my best thing ever was actually that i left my dad my dad's business and my yeah. mom and dad's business but uh, they brought me into it, and um, but we used to work so we just to work hours upon hours. I mean, I think the most I've done is um, four days and three nights straight, um, you know. And I just got a bit fed up of that, and I was nineteen and a half. Yeah. And I said to my dad, I said, "I'm leaving," and I left. And I went to work at Lucas's in a factory. Just okay. Yeah. Just something to, on your own. Five, yeah. Went in, did my work, had a break at lunchtime, played darts, and stuff like that, and then. Yeah, that was it. It was an easy life, and I wanted to, I think, try that life to see if that's what I wanted. Yeah. I didn't want it, and when I went back, when my dad were talking about it, and he kept saying, come back, come back, and I said, no, I don't want to come back yet. And I gave him an ultimatum, which was to buy some new trucks and some new bins, and basically we'd got sort of, say, about six trucks. They were always breaking down. Yeah. You could never give a good service. You were always... On, on the back foot a bit, aren't you? Yeah. Always. Yeah. So I said, if we buy some new trucks, buy some new bins... Um, means we're going to have to go into debt. My dad didn't like debt. Right, yeah. You know, he liked cash Yeah. Which back in that day. And he, he, he gave in in the end and, and he, he he said yes and we did it and it was the best thing we ever did because our service got better. Instead of having six drivers, we had four drivers. Yeah. Instead of having six trucks, we had four trucks. And it was just better. It was reliable, consistent, yeah. newer stuff. Yeah. And back in those days, a skip was £10 and it was £1 to tip it. Okay. So you were making loads and loads of money at that point. Yeah. Whereas further down the line, I think the disposal element's about 50% now, maybe wow. more. Yeah, they put a big margin on to be able yeah, to go and so do it. Yeah, the margin was massive in those days. So how old were you, would you have been to sort of say to your dad, we need to get new stuff, we need to do this, this is I the kind of ultimate... 19, 19. Quite young, really, to have a thought to say, yeah. let's do it... Because well, basically what you've said to him is, what we're doing is great, but let's do it properly and let's... Yeah, I you just know, saw, to do it bigger. I, I looked ahead and I just saw that what we were doing was, was great and it was great fun. And, you know, you had, yeah. you know, you just had fun. You worked every hour you could possibly work. You did so many dangerous stuff. You know, you're welding on the top of a roof and you're welding, you're doing all sorts. I've got burns all down my arm from welding yeah. while I was lying down underneath trucks and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, it didn't matter. You had great fun. You know, it didn't seem like it sometimes, you know, but 
looking at it objectively it was I'm always looking at how you can do something easier yeah and better so you know for me when I'm just a silly thing when I'm in my kitchen at home and I've got to pick two or three things up I'll walk once rather than three times yeah and it was this sort of... That's a man thing, isn't it? I don't know if it is. <laughs> Pod carrying everything yeah. down to the... But it was, it was, you know, how can we do this better? Yeah. And, you know, just looking at it and thinking. But, you know, it was getting him over the hump of going into debt. Yeah. And us going into debt to do it. But, you know, I suppose at his age, I'm not sure how old he'd be then, but let's say he's in his 40s by then. You know, I was 20 and probably didn't give a shit. You know, if it went wrong, you'd just make it again. Yeah. But I think, you know, him having the faith in me to do that and us and, and it, it just went from there and we became the largest skipire waste management company in the West Midlands by like a country mile. Wow. How long did it take to go down that trajectory? Um we sold that in uh so I don't know, nineteen. We sold that in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. So that was the first one we sold. So it was probably, you know, eighty eighty three, eighty four, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So a good few years, yeah. but that's built up very quickly, really. To be yeah, I mean, yeah, in there, I mean, I mean, in that we, area. we turned over at that point two point two million. Yeah, and we and two point two million at that time. Yeah, as and well. we sold it for two point two million. You sold okay. on turnover in them days. Okay, so yeah. that was like a lot of money in those days. You know, yeah. back in eighty nine. So how did you get from waste management to being and operating in some of the industries that you're operating in now, in terms of you know retail, fashion, all that sort of stuff? What was um, the? Because they're not really two industries you would no, put together, are they? I, I was with a. a it wasn't sort of on purpose in a sense um, but it's never scared me and at one point yes I did have just waste management and I was really comfortable I was yeah. really good at it and you know my company was really good so the second one I built which was called City Waste yeah. that was from 92 Yeah. so I sold in 89 had three year covenant Yeah. went back into 92 and I sold that one in 2000 Okay. but really really good at it but I wanted to do by 2000 I was a bit fed up of it I wanted to do more um, but I was on holiday with a friend of mine and um, he had um, a fish company Yeah. and he'd sold that and went into be construction, went to build houses. And I was like, how, how are you doing do that? that? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, you've gone from fish to that. And he says, well, I don't need to know how to lay bricks to run the company because yeah. I'm coming in at this level. Yeah. If I was coming in this level. Having to do the trade. Th- having yeah. to do the trade. I would need to know how to lay bricks, he said, which is what a lot of people do. Yeah. He says, but I've, entered at a higher level so I don't need to know I've got people who can lay bricks and I think that's where I've come from after 2000 when I went into a few different things I realised that you could do it and you didn't need to be involved I did go back into waste again into my comfort zone yeah because a couple of things didn't quite go right but um, I realised as I was moving forward I didn't mind the risk factor you know I like the um, uh, the big you know, like the big jumping from one small pond to a big pond. Yeah, I don't mind that scenario. Yeah, because I want to grow, and even today, I, I want to do that. I've got a question for you, just to interject on on that about risk. All you see on social media, all you see with seemingly successful people online is take the risk, take the risk, take the risk. That's all you see. What's your opinion on risk taking? So there's several things there. So yes, you will have to take risks. That's what that's what being an entrepreneur is about. Yeah. If not, you might as well be a banker. Yeah. Because, you know, generally banks don't take risks. If they get it wrong, it's because something catastrophic's happened. Yeah. And they'll be as covered as they possibly can. Whereas an entrepreneur will be a risk taker, first and foremost. And there's levels of risks, obviously. I think as you get 
um, higher up in that sort of um, uh, mode, you sort of start mitigating the risks a bit. So, as a, for instance, if we look at Ben and Lewis back in the day, they had no risk. They didn't care if it went wrong because they yeah. would just do it all again. They were 19 years Enjoying old. Enjoying it just, yeah. yeah. and a bit like me, I suppose, when I was back doing the, the waste. If it, if it went wrong, I would I just think, well, I can just carry Doesn't on matter, and do carry it again. On. Yeah. So I think age has a difference. You, when you get a bit older, you want to be more risk averse because you've got more to lose. Yeah. You maybe have got a family. You've maybe got children and stuff like that. But it's, it's how much to risk at that point. And I don't think there's any magic formula. You just have to know where your limits are and what work you've done in between time to sort of gauge the level of risk and are you comfortable with it. But again, I'll, I have a, a, a thought process and a saying that when you're doing deals, if, when you're with your lawyers... They would always tell you not to do the deal, yeah. Because again, they're a lawyer and they have a different risk profile to you, yeah. But you, you've got to be prepared to risk. It is that simple. Have you ever risked and completely lost? Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell yeah. us about that. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's so. I back in about two thousand and six, I was back into waste management, and I was recommended by my bank manager. It, it was we came up then, so two thousand six, and went back in. Got to two thousand and eight. Yeah. And the big a big crash happened. Obviously, I mean we're going through one now. This one, they say it's worse. I don't really know. You know, they're all they're all what they are. Yeah. And um, we were having a tough time. And I was recommended by my bank to go in with a guy who they recommended who would come in and help us. And okay. actually, it just turned out to be the completely wrong partner for for me. Right. You know, um, uh, he come highly recommended, uh, but we just completely clashed. But it was. Yeah, so again, that didn't go right for me. Um, but again, you know, you live, you live you another another day. Yeah. And um, you have to learn from it. It's the best way. Hopefully not make the same mistake again. But again, you know, you will, you, you have to keep, you have to keep doing things. Otherwise, you, you know, you can't win every one and you will, you will make mistakes all the time. But as long as they're not too big. But yeah. Had some big ones. Yeah. So in terms of your business at City then, so 92 and then sold, what was the sort of next step from there? Um, it, in 2000 when I sold. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, it's 92, wasn't it? And 92 then sold went in two, yeah. and told it, sold in 2000. Yeah. Um, so then I wanted, I wanted, I've got one company, City Waste, uh, PLC, and I wanted to diversify and do more. And I had this sort of vision of a, a sort of you know an umbrella company with companies below it and doing different things and yeah. share spreading my risk out a little bit more okay yeah um so I, I started on that and that's where i ended up with the um the company that uh took away uh petrol forecourts yeah so you know if you sort of a forecourts going it's a lot of work to take it apart because yeah. it's obviously the petrol tanks and a lot stuff of stuff like you that. don't see isn't it like yeah. that bought a um a chemical waste disposal company did that um, and a couple of other things and that's when I got into All Saints as well so that sort of came along as an opportunity Yeah. so a friend of mine, Mick Dunn a very, very uh, dear and old friend of mine um, was involved in All Saints it went into administration they were struggling, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it went into administration and I went in with him and we bought it back off the admin so again I got into into retail there by a bit more opportunistic totally yeah, yeah. It was not, it, my faith was in Mick yeah. To be fair, and Stuart Trevor, who was the designer and the owner of it at the time. Yeah. So I it wasn't me. I was the money guy and connections and things like that. Yeah. So I take no credit for actually what we did there and build, building it. 
but without me it wouldn't have happened because they wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have been able to buy it in the first place um, so as that Birmingham City came along so I was on the PLC board of Birmingham City then so I got uh, insight into football at that time yeah so yeah it started to sort of spread my wings in terms of actually I can do more than just being a bin man yeah. in a sense yeah yeah I suppose that, that, that spreading of the wings it's a lot more experience a lot more experience in different areas a lot more satisfying because you're able to turn your hand to different areas different things you're involved in different things yeah. so with Birmingham I was a PLC company I'd never been involved with a quoted company yeah I was you know dealing with David Sullivan David Gold uh, you know just passed away recently and Karen Brady yeah so dealing with people that I looked up to yeah yeah you know and sort of yeah you know, starting to mix with those sort of people so you're learning all the time what do you think was the biggest learn you took from that process with those type of calibre of um, leaders again it was when you're dealing with a football club you can't get carried away um, in terms of um, they were very down to earth you know if they loan, they put money into the the Birmingham City to buy a player yeah. David wanted his money back so there was there was this sort of um business transaction rather than a more personal thing in there okay so that was a really good thing there again with um with all saints and, and the guys there um that was just yeah i could swim in another another pond i could i could do it what do you think the biggest issue with all saints what why were they in the position they're in at um, that time so stuart trevor and kate bolingero were the two owners stuart's fantastic designer but probably not the best business brain. Yeah. He should have had a partner right. at that point in time, you know, but he didn't, and he built up a few shops, and it was moving him in. At those days, uh, All Saints was like a, almost like a cult yeah. at the time, you know. Um, but that was his issue, was his business knowledge, and that will always find you out at some point. Yeah. No matter how talented you are at one thing, you know, you need more talent and got to put extra into it. If that's not your forte, then you need to find someone who is. Yeah. To help you out so you know don't be scared about having a partner who can bring something to the party um you know because you, you're just going to fail at some point because the basic business has got to be there i just think not everything can run through one person not not everybody knows everything even if you are experienced i mean things that we've had with our guru business you know we've um we've rejigged things around probably a year and a half two years ago because absolutely everything came through one person everything came through me and it was getting to a point where I can take stress. I can take as much as as much as anyone can give. Um, but and you got to keep going. You got to keep strong. But it just wasn't the best thing for me. It wasn't the best thing for the company. And yeah. the the one decision that we made that was really really good was just to spread that out. We've got capability. We've got we've recruited experience. We know these people are good in their particular fields and in their areas, which complement where I'm not very good. Yeah. And that was the best decision we ever made. The best decision we ever made. It always is, though, isn't it? It's. But it seems such people, an easy decision. Yeah, when you finding look back. people who are better than you in certain areas yeah and then you put them in play and again i'm a massive believer in the trust element so yeah. you've got to have trust yeah but you know you might always get that right either you know you might have to go through a couple of three people to get to the right one yeah you can be very lucky if you find the right one but if you want to grow a company or or anything any organization you're going to have to have good people but it's no good having carbon copies of you yeah because that's just pointless yeah well you, you, you sit around the same table yeah, everyone's yeah, patting the same, same, the same the thing yeah, agreeing yeah. the same points you want people to challenge you yeah you want people you can learn from um, that can learn from you as well yeah um, but always it's, that's about that spreading that risk out isn't it you know where you can sort of fill the gaps otherwise but then you find actually I'm not as good as I thought at that am I yeah these people are really fucking good yeah 
and that, that's what you ideas find. start coming through the table when you're sitting down in meetings and you think well actually I wish I'd have done this a year ago yep and yep. you think I'm going to do it for the right reasons which is that I want to it's my business I want to push it forward yep. I want to take a lot of the strain because it's my business yep. I want to let them do what they need to do actually what you're doing is holding them back you're not giving them the facility and environment and and trust like you said to actually go and do a really really good job and start yeah. thinking for the company and thinking for themselves yeah and and that trust goes both ways as well yeah you know like learning goes both ways all the time you know it doesn't matter if you're younger than most people are younger than me to be fair um but i i learned so much from them hopefully they learn from me as well and we have this yeah. two-way transaction Mutual, isn't it yeah and that works you know that was one of the main things that worked at jim sharp with you know myself and steve hewitt initially yeah was that respect going back to these young people who were super talented yeah super enthusiastic you know, but also having us there to go, well, what, what about this? What do you think of that? And just stuff that they're not going to be yeah, thinking not, about. Not yeah. blocking them. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be blocking people. And sometimes um, I use an analogy and I use this actually for my daughters, obviously are in my business now. It's like there's a light bulb to be changed and you've got a stool and your daughter or son, whatever, is going to change it. And they get on the stool and it's slightly wobbly. You've got a bit of a choice. You can say, Hold on don't, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. And they're never going to learn. We can let them do it, watch them. What I would do, and this is metaphorically in a sense, is it's going to start to wobble. And if they fall, catch them before they hit the ground. Because the last thing you want to do is let them hit the ground and yeah, yeah. hurt themselves. But the fear of falling... That's the learn, isn't it? That's yeah. the learn. If you never let them have that fear of falling, they're never going to know that, fucking that's scary. I don't really want to do that. I nearly... Yeah smash my head up or nearly hurt myself yeah if you go and do it for them they're always gonna just you're just gonna keep doing it aren't you they're never gonna learn they're never gonna progress so again that's the analogy i use and um you know we've got things going on in our current business you know um, um hera that um you know we've got some issues with but we're learning you know but if i just don't let if i just always mollycoddle them they're yeah. never going to if you come with all the answers straight away yeah. yeah and I don't know all the answers by the way yeah. either Yeah. some of them I don't know yeah. we're learning together so what would you say then so going going through you went and, and did the All Saints thing sold that in 2004 yeah when it I think you went at sort of 10 yeah I think there's 12, 12 stores 10 12 I, mean, stores, I, yeah. I, I, went. I love the All Saints by the way even that it's got that dark misty kind yeah. of yeah, I, I really like the the, the clothes. Yeah, I'm not sure. Nice. I mean, I know who currently owns it, um, so I'm not sure where their direction is at the moment. Still, yeah. and they had a massive, and they've got a massive opportunity, but I think they've just struggled over the years. I'm not sure where they are now. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic brand, mm. you know, for sure. Yeah, you know but I went brand. in. I think we paid for the whole of the stock. We got eighty five thousand. And I think I came out about 18 months later with close on 3 million. So it was a great deal for me. Yeah. Mick then came out a bit later. And then Stuart Trevor came out later than that. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it was uh, really good. No, but what, in 18 months to go from that to that yeah. and make the difference in the business as well and go through the experiences and make good yeah, margin I mean, on what you And the guys in. did all the work, to be honest, you know, as yeah. I said, you know, a few introductions to banks and giving a bit of credibility. But they did most of the work. They're, they were the talent. Yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, no, good. So All Saints then finished, and you were dip, dip, You went back into waste management yeah, a couple so of years I after you said, didn't you? Yeah, around 2005. Okay. So, you know, it's another Can I ask you about, can I ask you about that? So yeah. um, I'm divorced as well. 
So we, we, we know we know what the road feels like. It's not a great road it's either way, whether it's the right or the wrong thing. Yeah. It's still not a great road to go. Um, why did that happen? Anything to do with business? Is it you as an individual? What, what do you reckon when you look um, back? I think, you know, I've got two wonderful kids uh, from the marriage. I think we just grew apart. You know, again, I was mad into business. I mean, I probably spent far too much time there. It gave us the trappings of a nice house and nice holidays and all the rest of it. But yeah. I think you learn that you can't buy you can't buy things in, in the sense you can't buy that sort of connection or happiness yeah. and I think we just grew apart and it, it was the right thing to do you know it just felt very um, raw at the time any regrets when you look back um, I think it went on a bit too long and I think you sort of struggle with it whereas I think the acceptance of it probably would have been a, a bit of a better thing to do mm. but you know you feel like you failed you know and you know, not just you either it's no, kids family no, it's, yeah you know, the whole yes, thing yeah. is and you're going to upset everything and it's you've got this you know you've got this lovely uh, life and existence of what you're doing and you're now going to spoil it and you've got to start again and, and, and whatever so I think mainly you know probably my work focus was probably far too heavy on it at the time and you know not paying enough attention how did you try and manage that blend of work and home because a lot of people I, talk about this I probably didn't know how then yeah. to be honest my, my way of doing it was I'll buy a nice holiday I'll make sure we've got a nice car I'll make sure we've got a nice house and they're the things that are probably not as important as you think afterwards. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, I've got a fantastic relationship with my daughters. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that alone is, that's the most important thing. Myself and my ex-wife, you know, um, that's as it is. It's, you know, it's, it's friendly. You know, we were at uh, my grandson's birthday party last weekend and, yeah. you know, talking and everything. So there's no... Two, animosity. isn't it? Yeah, I, think, yeah, I saw you yeah, put something up fantastic. there. You were helping him yeah. build something, weren't you? Yeah. Some, oh, yeah. Doing some woodwork or something. He, he had all these toys and everything. And I we tried to set up this little track with some wood for him to drive, the, you know, the kids to drive the little cars around. Yeah. I got to dismantle the wood at the end. So I took my drill and stuff like that. And he just gravitated towards the drill. And he's like, what's Strange, the hold? Strange, how? Yeah. yeah he's that a really practical age. young man. So, and that's sort of where I come from as well you know so that must be lovely to see that yeah coming through already as a two year old part of his future you'd like well depending on what he wants to do for himself but already you can see maybe he's going to be good with his hands oh yeah I mean I had him on uh, he was sitting on my lap on a digger uh, in one of my fields the other week yeah and he sort of got you know he's got the levers and stuff like that and he wants to push the levers to track it and uh, sat him on my lap in one of my cars and he wants to hold the steering wheel. He doesn't want just want to sit there. He wants yeah. to hold the steering wheel. So practical wants to do. I think he's going yeah. to be a real practical young man. So you mentioned about fields and stuff like that. So I read that you've got acres of land. You've got a farm. So I've got, you, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got a farm in, in something else completely different. Yeah, as well. it doesn't. It's not. It's it's called a farm. I mean, it, it has been a farm, but we don't farm it. Okay. Um, you know, we 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 have to top the fields and all the rest of it. But I've yeah. got I've got land there. As far as I'm concerned, they don't make any more land. So, you know, the opportunity was there to buy it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's a nice place. It's sort of... I'm, I'm not too mad on having people around me, so I'm quite happy to be a bit more isolated. Yeah. And then I bought um, another couple of things. I bought uh, 200 acres of woodland, woodland in yeah, Warwickshire. Yeah. yeah. That's a site of special scientific interest. So okay. HS2 had to go underneath it. Okay. So right. that's a real coup. It didn't come straight through it. They've had to go underneath it. And then I've got some woodland up in Scotland as well. So just this sort of heritage, long term. I'm really proud of the one in Warwickshire because it's it's blocked HS2 and it's like, 
do you know what if you can do that that's really good and it, it'll be yeah. there forever it's you know if that doesn't go through it nothing's oh, ever going to be there do it, so yeah. hopefully my family will have that now so is that was that looked at at the time more as sort of an investment type it's, thing? It's, a, it's or, an investment, yeah. and it, it's just a long term thing for me. It's not one of the things I want to buy and sell. Um, it was just that you know piece of history for my family that I can sort of leave long term, and it's really tax effective, by the way, as well. Yeah, that well, there you go. <laughs> ticks both boxes, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. So you've then gone further on in your career. Then you got back into waste management. How did the whole transition into Gymshark turn out? How did that all come about? So, I've got a couple of questions on this from people that have that have popped some questions into DMs this week. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, it's the sliding doors moments that you get and opportunities. And um, I probably look at too many opportunities, but it's always stood me in good stead. Yeah. So um, I was I went from normal waste management into uh, nappy recycling. Yeah. So I had an opportunity come along where. Um, we did all the hospitals this was around um 2008 nine around there we'd come out of that sort of depression period of yep. recession there and we're coming out of it and um got involved we did all the hospitals and my um rep at the time said to me i've just had a talk with someone who um has got a process that can recycle all of the nappies and incontinent waste okay and he, he they want tonnage so we're just like yeah, okay, we can do that. I haven't got a clue. But we just said yes. Um, it went from there to getting to talk to them, and they were a Canadian outfit called No Waste, yeah. A-N-O-W-A-S-T-E. And they got a process uh, that could recycle it. It was more of a sanitization process. Okay, so it was yeah. quite crude. Yeah. But I really liked the thought process. It was like, oh, this, this is, there's no one else is doing this. So I got on a plane, went to Canada, met with Roy Brown, who was the guy who owned it at the time with some uh, New York people really liked them he then came over and we basically did a deal where we would set up and find them all the waste it went from there to selling my business my smaller waste business that i would got left into going in with no waste and redeveloping their process because I'd identified that their process was completely flawed okay in that you could sanitise the, the waste the, uh, the nappies and the content waste but you couldn't do much with them yeah if we sterilised them, because it was plastic and it was cellulose fibre, we could sell it all. Okay, yeah. So we embarked on it a... closes that loop, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, we embarked on a completely new process, got the American guys, the backers involved, and we built a plant in West Bromwich, which was about a 10,000 tonne plant, and we basically processed nappies and incontinent waste every day, in and out, and actually sold all the products. So we'd got a process. Carried on with that for a while, and... Um, I was doing that when I met the guys, when I met Lewis and Ben at the gym. So I used to go to a gym in Bromsgrove um, and I met them there and they just asked me for help. And uh, it was just asking business help. Um, they nicknamed me the business guy because they hadn't got anyone that they knew who was in business. So it was that sliding doors moment. And I've said this a few times that you know, there were two young guys bouncing around the gym full of testosterone. You know, Lewis was pretty loud. Ben was quite introvert. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I like them. And, yeah. and, you know, I talked to them and I was interested in what they were doing. Yeah. You know, they got this new idea, which was, you know, a more fitted type aesthetic tracksuits and, and, and stuff like that and, and T-shirts and whatever. And I just started to help them, you know, unofficially. And that's where it started. And he went from, from there. That relationship built. Yeah, but it was sliding doors and, and we got on. 
and uh, we used to meet in the No Waste office because I was still involved with No Waste at that time. Yeah. We were going to be building a plant in London, that didn't come off. So it's sort of almost sliding doors moments, we're sort of moving over and we were going to build one in uh, Tel Aviv and then one in South Africa and I didn't really want to go to do that. So, you know, again, you know, affiliation with my mom. I didn't mind travelling, but I always wanted to come back. I didn't want to go and live. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's where we started with them. Why did you help them? I really don't know. I mean, it was just, I liked the idea. I liked what they were doing. And I actually liked the combo of the two of them in that one was sort of louder, one was quieter. I hadn't got a preference at that time, mm. you know, I hadn't sort of, but it was just the, it was the sheer enthusiasm of them, of something, the passion that they got for something. And, you know, I was older and maybe, you know, my my, my passion was more of a, a fire burning rather than this big explosion like they'd got. Yeah. And I think that one of my, I won't say my secrets, but being around younger people quite a lot from the All Saints days and and everything else. I really like that. I like learning from generally younger people because that sort of... I think they just have ideas that are raw, yeah. which I like. I think when someone's older, it can tend to be more... How can I put it? Premeditated yeah. advice. Sometimes the ideas that are not well thought through are yeah. brilliant ideas, and you need that raw energy... Yeah, just that enthusiasm and energy and stuff like that you get from younger people that you don't get from someone more measured, maybe like me, sort of thing, you know. Uh, So you combine the two, I think you've got a really powerful... Did you know at the time the potential? No. It was just, I was just helping them. Did get to know it as we were moving on and we could see it, but it was just completely disorganised. It was like going into a... What stage were they at? They were turning over about... End of 13-ish, they were turning over about four and a half million. Um, they were driving R8s and they were making money and they were having great fun and the office was a complete shit tip and the warehouse was a complete shit tip and they'd just be playing games when they're supposed to have been doing work and stuff yeah. like that. But they were having fun, which was great. I suppose yeah. I probably never did that yeah. the way they did because yeah. I was probably far more serious back in my day. Yeah. it was more serious, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. So I sort of looked and thought... We're in that area of every office needs a pool table and every yeah. every office needs a table tennis table yeah. and all that sort of stuff, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, it was just fun. It was, yeah. There was no organised, and I'm an organised person generally, so there was no organisation. It was like there was... They didn't have insurance and stuff like that. They didn't have this. They didn't have any stock control. You know, I didn't know about that stuff, but it was when I brought Steve Hewitt in that that actually all came to light more so. I was just on about there. You know, I was like, who's your accountant? And it was like somebody almost like, couldn't count, you know, and it's like, okay, whose solicitors you use? Well, we don't use any. What's your insurance? Insurance. You know, it's just like that. So it was then basics that I was like. So I, I, I like, I mean, knowing a bit about that story as well, just from experience and research. And so I, I love that because I just like the idea of a couple of guys doing what they're passionate in, load of energy, you know, throwing themselves into it and, 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 and somehow get into, you know, that sort of a size business with really you know on a women of prayer and just yeah. on an idea um, I think there's a lot that can be said for raw enthusiasm yeah. of an idea I think you, you need that that's the engine that's the fuel isn't it I think if Steve and I hadn't come along and the rest of the people that we helped bring and they helped accept and bring yeah I, I don't think it would have made it no you know knowing what we know, you Is know. It, do you think that's just because of the 
lack of experience, lack of experience, kind of lack of, and you know, it, it was like the, the the one time they spent, I think I can't think of the turnover at the time, but they were spending twenty five percent the money on exhibitions. Okay. And it was like, okay, what are you getting back from it? Well, it's great fun, and yeah, we like loads doing of people it there, and, and yeah, we love yeah. doing it. We must be doing good numbers. And then when you yeah. look at it, maybe your margin from ex- exhibitions is a lot lower. Yeah, maybe you want to put the money over there because yeah. you're getting a better return but online. They, or they didn't know, so they didn't care, and the money was there to pay for it. But it was like you only need two or three of those things to go wrong. Yeah, well, and you know, what do you do with the, the you know the stock you don't sell? I don't know. You know, it was all that sort of stuff, and yeah, it was it was. But that's you know that's the way businesses are, are, are born, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think there's got to be an element of these people coming in that know more than you, and that's what yeah. Steve and I knew more than them at what we did. It's nice and that they've had to accept they've accepted that though, as yeah, because a lot of young a, people with an idea doing was to be battle. honest in that sort of a size yeah. business it would was, have would have said we're just going to do it ourselves. We know what we're doing. Ego oh, we lot ego that, takes though. over. We had a lot of that. Yeah. You know, it's um, it wasn't easy at the time. It was. You know, Ben and Lewis and me and Steve at the one time, and it was like two, almost two against two sometimes. Um, but you know, we got there in the end, which was good. And then you know, well documented about Lewis moving, moving on, yep. wanting to do other stuff, and then that dynamic became a much more easier dynamic. Um, and you know, that that three dynamic is something that I sort of quote today. I think it's a great way of having a business if you've got three at the top some way because you're always going to get an answer when you come out of the room, mm. and no one's going to feel or shouldn't feel aggrieved by whatever the answer is I think in my experience with our businesses me and John went through a period of time where you know we're very different completely different in our approach um, I'm a, he's very quiet very process driven very much this is the way it needs to be done yeah. don't want, really want to change it it works okay whereas I'm completely the opposite on that I've got ideas I'd like to change stuff on a daily basis because yeah. I think there's a better way of doing it um, I'm more of a talker he's more of a very quiet person I'm yeah. more of a more, more outgoing um, we bring different things to the table so when we've got ideas as a two it's quite I've known him since I was 15 yeah he's one of my best mates I, I respect him he respects me but we have different opinions on a lot of stuff yeah and again when we made those changes to add another people to the mix you've got that just be able to conversate properly without it being he said she said type thing because you get yeah. a lot of that sort of stuff and it can get quite lonely to be honest oh yeah I mean if you're just A if you're just on your own you know there's just you there at the top then that's yeah. a, it's a lonely lonely place. I've never been so lo- going through Covid a couple of years into these businesses I've never been so lonely No, and this it, is why, it, why, I started, lonely place. why I started yeah. the podcast I, I was in the garage doing a workout and stuff and I just felt I can't even speak I, I can speak to my partner love her to bits we talk about a lot of stuff yeah. but you need to get it to run, and I've tried to do my best more now than I did in my 20s because I also like you think that there's a lot of reasons why my marriage didn't work but it certainly didn't help that I was working six days a week and yeah. that was the priority at the Same. time rather than anything else different outlook now but I try and allow Sophie an understanding of why my day's been shit or what's not worked because she can actually some of the decisions we've made have come from some of the conversations we've had because she she yeah. just takes the emotion out, looks at it for what it is, and says, "Well, why don't you just do that?" And it's like, "Well, maybe that might work." Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that this is about having other people just. Yeah. It. And yeah. as long as you're receptive to it, yeah, then it can work. I think you're right. You know, for me, it was I was just work, work, work. Yeah. Head down. You know, no one could come in. I didn't want to worry anyone else with it. Yeah. And that, I still do that now. Open admittance. I've gone and done too much. I think yeah. I had a. A sort of uh, epiphany from when I sort of was leaving Gymshark is I've got to be busy because I was really busy before and you know 
all that. So I went off and I got too many things on the go, probably. Right. But it was actually uh, my ex-wife who put my daughters, talked to my daughters about it, because I think they were, you know, like, Dad needs to do less. And they, she said to him, well, he, you're trying to stop him do something he loves he to loves do. He loves doing, yeah. So as long as it's not harming everyone around, as long as he's not harming himself, and, you know, he's had health checks and done all that, and I've, I've done all those for my, my yeah. girls and everything else, then give him some slack because he loves it's what he loves that's doing. the energy that's why yeah, yeah and that's what will keep him young as he's you know rather than just you know going on sitting at a bar and doing nothing and, and things like that and as an older person an older guy in particular there's a lot of changes happen to you where you start to feel unimportant okay and you know how old are you 35 35 I look older so, yeah, unfortunately no, it's, it's this mate it's this <laughs> I've had that since I was 20 yeah <laughs> too many wrinkles but again you get you know, as you're getting older, 50 onwards, you know, you're starting to become less important to your family, your children. Uh, you know, they're 18 yeah. and they can do what they want. They don't need driving around. They don't need that. They still come to you when shit hits the fan. My daughters, as I said, were really close. Yeah. And, you know, we still, they still come to me, but you're not as important to them. And if you've got daughters, you think, got a man comes into their life with a husband or boyfriend or whatever, or, you know, whatever the relationships they've got. Different challenge, isn't it? Different challenges. So again, you've got all these things to contend with as you, as you do. And um, I suppose then as, you know, as a woman, you might have similar sorts of problems, mm. you know, so I don't think it's, uh, you know, uh, gender specific. Um, so yeah, there's lots of things. I'm to feeling a bit of that at the moment. My, my daughter's 17. Got a foot. Started going out six months ago. First boyfriend two, oh, three months not, ago. Yeah. My son's nine, and my youngest is ten weeks. Delilah. So it's your daughter from your first marriage. Uh, yeah. So yeah. we adopted. I adopted her. She was eighteen yeah. months when I think I was nineteen at the time when yeah. me and her, her mum got together and stuff. Freddie's from my ex ex relationship, yeah. and Delilah's from uh, me and Sophie. Yeah. And new relate. Well, new relationship for four and a bit years or whatever it is I need to get that right actually yeah you Especially, do yeah. So if she's, she's listening yeah four and a bit years sorry <laughs> cut that out um, but no it's just a completely different challenge like yeah she's she's not she doesn't come see me all the time she's doing her own stuff and yeah. that's okay and I thought you know what, I'm going to struggle with that because we've always been really tight yeah, yeah. if shit hits the fan she comes to me yeah and that's and what you want I'm sure that'll keep being the case but yeah it's just it's difficult because I want to let her go and do what she needs to do but then you know she's in between jobs at the moment I'm like come on you need to get a, you need to get a job she's like dad I'm, I'm doing this and I'm applying for that and I'm like you really do need to get a job know. you know like but how many are you applying for what's, a what are you lot doing of psychology comes into it yeah. all. you know it's um, so I've got a, a quite famous one with my youngest daughter so she's the slightly more uh, sort of clubby one out and when I was married we had a uh, uh, place in Mallorca yeah. and um, anyway my wife got that in the deal anyway my wife phones me up and says we've got a problem with Georgia or well, what is it she says well she's 14 and um, she's going to nightclubs in Mallorca with her pals who are 15 right so there's this thing like okay fine so I was like okay fine what do I do, what do, I do? okay fine okay. so I phoned her up and said Georgia Georgia her name is so George I said you're putting me in a really bad position what's that I said well you know, I might have to go to prison the way this is going. What do you mean, Dad? I said, well, you're going to clubs, aren't you, with your pals of 14? She yeah. Said, well, yeah, because they won't wait for me. You know, I can't stay on my own outside. I said, but if something happens to you when you're in that club, that means I've got to come over there with some of my mates. I've got to find the person that hurt you. I've got to torture them. <laughs> I might have to kill them. Yeah. That means I'm probably going to do about 12 years. Yeah. I said, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, just because you want to go out. Yeah, just because <laughs> you want to go to the club. Okay, Dad. 
she never went again. Really? Wow. Yeah, but it was just, uh, if I'd have just said, no, you're not going, I think she would have gone against me. But yeah, it was that. yeah. Reasoning. Yeah, but she does know I would go and find them, by the way. <laughs> Probably still do that now. Yeah, Protective. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, you can run, but you can't hide. So, um, she, so she, she's currently MD in your current business, Hara. So I've got right? two daughters. I've got Holly, who's the CEO. Yeah. And I've got Georgia, who's the younger one. Yeah. She's the CBO, so Chief Brand Officer. So how does that setup work? Because... I, I first started Guru and we employed friends and family, first and foremost. And the highs were incredible. The lows were horrible. And now we've got more of a blend of, you know, some of them still here, some yeah. of them have gone and all that sort of stuff. How, how does that dynamic work to run a successful business and also maintain family relationships and make sure everybody's doing what they need to do? How, how does that all work? It's difficult. I've, I've had experience of it from my own family. I've got a brother and two sisters. Yeah. Um, all younger than me and have all worked for me and with me okay. in my waste management companies. So my mom worked there, my dad worked there. So I've had a, a family history of working yeah. together and having rows, discussions, whatever you want to call them, over time. <laughs> yeah. And um, ultimately someone has to be that, you know, in those days, back when the waste, it was me who was that boss. So I had the ultimate say. But they all did really good at what they were doing. So my two daughters, my two sisters were salespeople. My brother was um, like a manager and stuff like that for yeah. me and, and like an MD. So I've got a lot of experience there. With my daughters, it's a case of um, we wanted to buy a company that was moving rather than start from scratch. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we already have a level of turnover and their expertise is different to what I've got. Mm -hmm. So Holly was brought up in buying and merchandising they both did fashion design at university yeah holly's worked for uh, flannels um jim shark she worked for okay yeah back in the early doors you know quite early doors um she's worked for hera for a year yeah um my protein the hook group and um halfords as well the last last job so she's she's done all that i mean in in the my protein clothing brand she sort of was really majorly involved in building it from sort of a really small brand to about 30 million. Yeah. So, you know, quite involved in that from day one. Um, Georgia's into PR. So she was involved in um, fashion PR initially with Carla Rotto and some other agencies. And then the last job she had was to do with um, high-end hotels PR. Okay. So she's the more creative yeah. side, but both did fashion. Um, Skill sets blend quite well then in terms of the way do, that, and they're actually, they bring to the table. You know, um, there's five years difference, but they're actually, they get on really, really well. They're like best friends. Um, but again, we've got the dynamic of three. Mm. So, you know, there's lots of times I'm told you're wrong, dad. Completely wrong. And I just yeah. accept it yeah. because I've been used to it previously yeah. in terms of, you know, the Jim Sharp family of Ben and, and uh, Steve. Um, so, Sometimes I'm persistent and I'll push it a bit more and say, I want to try this a different way with you and stuff like that. But I, I, I never say I completely disagree. We'll walk out the room saying, okay, fine, we're going to go with what the majority is. Yeah. Um, it's worked well so far and we've had a couple of crunches. You know, we've had a few things to resolve. So, you know, like any business, you know, you, you've got errors and mistakes that we, we, we've got. And, you know, we've had a couple of things where we've bought too much stock on a certain thing and it hasn't gone because we're still reinventing this brand. Yeah. So we're still finding out who the customer is first and foremost. Yeah. Still finding out who we are. And they've gone from a, you know, a male only brand to a male and female brand mm. now. So, you know, just totally a lot of new stuff going on. So you're going to get some, 
mistakes and issues what, there. What would you say in the hero business is the biggest challenge that you see? Currently, like with most uh, e-com businesses, is the fact is you've got to really work hard now. The Gymshark days, when basically we could almost like bring a legging out and it would just sell. Hmm. And you didn't even almost have to do anything or have had any paid ad spend hardly. Now you've got to work everything. So, you know, people are currently looking for bargains. But it's just that hot, it's just everything has to be worked. Hmm. You can't just rest. Is that just because of the how established the brand is compared to other brands that are in the same space? Or? I think it's the marketplace. I think it's the uh, the social sort of, you know, the paid ads now. They're sort of so clued in, whereas back in the Gymshark day, it almost didn't exist. Yeah. You know, it was just, you put it on someone and it would just sell. Now every influencer wants 10 grand every person wants a slice of it there's loads of experts out there i think it's the fact is that you've really got to work it i'm used to that from the waste management days yeah where you have to work for every penny you yeah. know you're trying to save money in every way you can and ex oh, just exploit get the most you can for you know your product yeah whatever it was and keep it nice and tight yeah whereas as i said with with gymshock and a lot of other brands that sort of started around that time and rode the wave of the e-com yeah it was just easy yeah and you know i know now that you know that those bigger brands like the gymshocks of the world and you know others maybe lounge and people like that they're not having that same traction as they were they're having to work for it like everyone else yeah so i think it's the that's the challenge now and um for us in terms of getting it right probably stocks are hardest one because you're trying to predict what yes, our customers that are we gonna don't want quite know future. yet yeah yeah so you know there's a bit of experimentation there's a bit of getting it right and getting it wrong you know where's our lane and stuff like that establishing who we are you know we intend to be a good brand as in we tend to be we want one that be remembered be mm. liked be respected etc etc for all the various things that we want to do not yeah. just someone who sells clothes so what do you what do you feel the Hera brand stands for? So if you if you so I read somewhere that you want the brand to be worth hundred million quid in five years time or four years time, yeah, whatever I don't know it is. Where that sort of came from actually, but yeah. What if you fast fast track four or five years and you look back, what would you want that brand to be remembered for and be renowned for? I think it's for being. I think you know I'm not really interested in the hundred million. I don't know where it came from. The money side is not as important as something that will be respected. Yeah that will mean something and stand for something yeah whatever that is and we're still discovering a little bit of that now so we started off with the looking deeper so you know um looking deeper into the models looking deeper into the consumers looking deeper into our staff and everything else so there's always a backstory there's always something behind people so a model isn't just a model yeah you know it's they're a person what else do they do what are their interests that they got what do they love doing what makes them happy what makes them sad um and that's just one thing, you know, it's just a real very early beginning of what we wanted because the previous Hera was quite a sort of Geordie Shaw, right. quite shallow looking brand. Yeah. Even though some of those people on those programs and, and whatever had really deep backgrounds, you know, they yeah. could have been a care worker or a heart surgeon or whatever. So they weren't yeah. all, you know, they weren't as made out all to be the same, you know. Um, so for us, it's rediscovering all that, but something that authenticity is key to me moving forward with um, the sustainability side so you know we're launching a pre-love section um, but we'll be doing that ourselves 
Yeah. So that's quite tough to do. So how, what's that going to entail? Is that going to entail you getting return of stuff so that's your the, brand and then yeah, reinventing it? Yeah, the idea it? for us is to up the quality of our product. It's already very good quality anyway. Yeah. Up the quality of our product even more. But the knowledge of that is, and I'm just using the number at the moment, you pay an extra £10 for a hoodie. Yeah. But its second-hand value is it has a value and yeah. then it has another use so you can probably get in essence two uses out is that of because it. it just lasts longer because it's better it lasts quality longer yeah. so from the sustainability point of view that's the better best thing than, than just using sustainable mm. material yeah you know the reuse side is big and that comes from haru which is another company i'm involved with yeah um they're going to platform it for us but it's that concept of saying okay it might cost more but this is the reason why and this is what we're going to do to do that well, i think just people gonna... are happy to pay more if they see it's all for me it's all about value yeah. Yeah, anyone can go and buy a Fruit of the Loom t-shirt for 10 quid off Amazon, but we know it's going to go bobbly after two washes. Yeah. You know it's not going to last. You know it's going to feel horrible, and you know you're going to feel horrible in it. Yeah. You'd rather pay more if you know the value is coming yeah. back the other way. And I think this, you know, closing these loops on second hand is going to be, or well, using the word second hand, you use pre-loved and all yeah. bit better words than I use, yeah. to be fair. The Haru guys will kill me for that. <laughs> um, but... It, it's just that if someone comes on our site and, and maybe doesn't want to or can't afford the £30, yeah. they can buy something for, I don't know, could be £10, £15, whatever it might be. So that is really important to us to do things like that. But I'm not just doing, I don't want to do things that just greenwash. Yeah. I've been in waste management and recycling. I saw it all my life where people had a marketing budget just to make it look like they were doing something. Yeah. I don't want to just look like I'm doing Box something. I want us to yeah. do it. But that makes it hard work. Yeah. And people generally don't like hard work. They yeah. want to do it the easy way. So you'll find lots of companies now that will just do it. I'll just send it in this bag and send it off to so-and-so. That, that's better than nothing. But in my mind, they're not giving their consumer another choice. So if we can give our consumer another choice on yeah. our website, not on eBay, and they get it in a cornflake box from... A, student who's selling it yeah they get a proper package they get it checked they get everything that's the sort of thing we want to do and there's a few more things like that do you know what i that that, that, i'm glad you said that because for me i like we said before we came on uh, i'm not just saying this because you're on but um i wear a lot of your stuff of of the hera stuff before i knew anything about anything i had a couple of t-shirts and stuff like that they do last a long time i've still got the stuff i don't think i've thrown a single item of clothing away because and i've been wearing it for 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 a few years yeah it lasts a long time it fits really nice you can feel that it is quality you know it's not going to go bobbly after five or six washes and then you have to go and get another one and but it's about the depth of how that product makes me feel i wear hera i wear gymshark Weirdly speaking, you've been involved in both of those. That's, that's not not made up. By the way, all Saints that, can be done as well. Put you know, all Saints. I've got one that. one All Saints thing. <laughs> Actually, uh, the guys out there bought it me for, for my birthday. Yeah. Um, but I, they're my two favourite brands, not because of necessarily the brand, but it's the meaning behind the brand and how the brand makes me as a consumer feel. I wear I wear Gymshark stuff because it makes me feel good. I look at myself in the mirror and I think because I'm a normal bloke. Every bloke, no matter whether you got a six pack or not, I haven't. But you want you wear clothes because you want to feel good, and they're the two only brands that I wear that make me feel good. That are not just throwaway brands where I'll go and get a shirt from Next because I need it for work or yeah. shirt from Moss I need it for work. They make me feel good, which is why I will yeah. always come back. But it's bec- but even knowing more about the depth of what 
those businesses are going uh, uh, doing to get that product to market, what you guys are doing to make it affordable, make it more quality, that's only going to deepen how someone feels about the brand because they understand it and yeah. they'll always come back. There's, 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 a, there's a saying which, again, I put up in one of the Gymshock offices ages ago. You know, it's they'll, they'll forget what you say, they'll forget what you do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And, you know, the play on words, forget, forget, and remember there are quite important. Yeah. But it's true. You know, you can tap into to this here. Well, you know, we know the connection, heart, gut, all the rest of it, and yeah. brain and the stuff. But you tap into that, that's long-lasting. And, you know, as you say, you will turn back to a, a company to, to buy. You know, you'll go through some good times and bad times. You get, you know, if you do get something that doesn't quite fit, yeah. okay, fine, that's that's a, a one-off. You know, send it back and get a good return, yeah. whatever it is. So, yeah, that's the sort of thing we want to build. You know, it's not necessarily 100 million, 200 million got no massive interest in that yeah you, you do everything right I've, hopefully you can get some value there my girls can yeah. realize some value i want my girls to realize some value for themselves yeah so they do the work i don't i go there one day a week yeah and you know i'm there to be you know asked about asked you know ask me different things and i yeah. have an input and i do have a few good ideas even georgia might might say that <laughs> um, so you know, but that's what I'm there for. You know, just to challenge and spark yeah. some things off. And you know, um, I know I know what I want out of a brand. I know what, um, and it's not about what works. It's what's the right thing to do. Yeah. And you do that, it'll come. You know. But that's quite um, an odd opinion to have. I think in this day and age, it's usually it is focused on the profit or focused on what's it, easiest. And and really, the meaningful things come from what what it, it, it means it, and what it feels. And yeah, I mean. You know, turnover and EBITDA will come into play. You can't yeah. you can't go forever and not do that. Yeah. But you know, we've set our stall out of how long we want to take to do it. And you know, I've said you know we we bought a brand which was in a bit of distress. Yeah. You know, from previous, and um, we've sort of now in a sense put the basement in. Yeah. And this year we're trying to put the ground floor in. That's where we are at the moment, and we're still building rooms and a bit of foundations and stuff like that. You know, we haven't got to put in wallpaper on yet and paint, but yeah. that's the way we look at it. You know, keep building and building, and then you've got something you can start resting other stuff on. And uh, you know, like we we we've got footwear ready to go. We decided not to okay. launch it. Yeah, we weren't happy, and we said we've got too many other things going on. Yeah. So it was Holly and George. I mean, I would have gone. Come let's on, go. let's do it because yeah. I'm yeah. like. I drive them mad because I'm impatient, um, you know. But they said no, we don't want to do it, and I said okay, fine. I mean, I can scream and shout and go, "Dad's right, Dad's going to do it. You're going to do it because I'm telling you." I would never do it, and they wouldn't let me do it either. Yeah, you know. So it has to be the two, the three of us made that decision. Two said that, and I'm like, "You sure?" And I went, "Yeah, okay. Well, tell me why." They told me why, and I went, "Fine, makes okay. sense." Yeah, I now zip this. And go. We'll, we'll wait. The thing is, if you force if you force people down that route, you'll never have that ownership of those. Those people will never feel they, part they've got of to it. Run the company, yeah, not yeah. me. I don't. It's no good me being there overruling all the decisions because yeah. they're never going to be able to run it. Because you could quite well do, given your yeah, given your success with. There's no point. You know, you know they actually do no more. I'm trusting them. They know more than me on this point. And if I wanted to try and labour it, I would try and labour it. But ultimately, I'll come out with that decision and I've got to stick with it. Yeah. Because I've made that. I can't just chop and change when I feel like it. Yeah. I'm either in or I'm out. I can't do the hokey pokey. You like football? Yeah. So we're going to go on to some questions from some of the people that knew you were coming on. So I'm yeah. just going to throw these out to you okay. and see, see what you think. There's, yeah. we, we, I've tried to take the most interesting yeah. ones, I think. Um, 
First one um, is relating to football. So you had you're, you're a big Birmingham City fan. Yeah. You toast about it all the time at games all the time yeah. by the looks of things. Oh, oh, yeah. Sponsor, hair, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So and obviously I know that you're on the board. 2004-ish area, yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. You had a takeover bid yeah. that didn't go through in the end. I think it was only as late as last year. Yeah, yeah. What, was the, what was the story there? Why didn't that happen? So we, we set up a deal, started the deal way, way back in, in the previous year. We got to a point in July when we signed the deal yeah. and we put some money down. And it was a really strange deal where we were supporting the club money-wise as well because it was low on money. Yeah. We had about a four-month window close the deal and unfortunately because of circumstances within the club and some other stuff we couldn't get the deal closed so by the end of November our deal was running out yeah. now they wanted to just continue with that deal the problem was that within that time doing our DD etc we found some things we weren't happy with Okay. so I went back to renegotiate those and that wasn't the price by the way Yeah. it was to renegotiate some of the points within there yeah the current owners didn't want to do that. So we had no choice but to reconsider our position and decided to, to pull out at that time. So what would a deal like that be? What To go and buy a football club, like what what what, what sort of money are we talking here what, for people so that don't really a, get? It's a real strange world. So that one, I mean, again, it's it's out in the open market. It was a total of 35 million. Yeah. So it was 25 million down. And then there was a time period because it's it's in the, that's a real complicated deal. Birmingham yeah. City is probably the most complicated deal in, in the whole of the football world at the moment. Yeah. Because you've got the ground and twenty two percent is owned by two companies in um, the BVI. Yeah. So they're not owned in the UK. They're owned there. Yeah. The other 70-odd percent, and there's a little bit with the trust, but the yeah. other 70-odd percent is owned by another company called BSHL, which is a Hong Kong stock exchange quoted company. Right, okay. So you could buy this one first, which is the 22% and the ground. You've got to wait up to two years before you can buy the other lot. Even if you buy part of it, because I know there's a deal on the table at the moment to buy yeah. another 20%, you still can't buy the majority share. Okay. Because by the laws of the Hong Kong stock exchange, the entity that's in there has to be replaced at the same time as you take it out. Okay. So it's a real complicated deal. Very complicated. Yeah, it sounds it. Yeah. But it's disappointing for you being a, being a fan, first yeah, and foremost, I mean, as well. You know, there's, there's, you get a lot of... Um, I had to open up all my social media. We did a lot of... We, we, we tried our best. The problem we got was we, we signed a deal and we were putting money into the club, so hence we had to have an input. Yeah. Um, so we were in there a lot more than you would normally be if you yeah. were just buying a club um, because we were overseeing things and stuff like that. Um, so what, were you just cash flowing a club for a period yeah, of time yeah. whilst you were in yeah, negotiations, yeah. yeah? Yeah, so we did it as like a, a, a loan. But the club, the whole club lifted and we went up to seventh place at the time and we, you know, I think we gave a real good effect in the club. Um we just couldn't couldn't close it, and you know that's unfortunate. Mm. We've got it. You know, it's a lot of time, money, effort, heartache, a lot of promises to people that we thought, you know. But I don't tell lies, so you know, if I thought the deal was going through, the deal was going through. Yeah. If I thought something wasn't going through, I would say, but I couldn't carry on with that deal we'd got, knowing what I knew. Yeah. Now I'm hopeful that there's some new parties in. It was only announced yesterday, and and you know, 
I've, I've spoken to so many people since I did it because obviously I'm the one that knows the most about that club inside out. Yeah. So I've, I've spoken to a lot of people and I'll help anyone to help them buy that club to get it off the current it's owners. The, it's, it's the, the current best, owners best toxic, interest. Is the your system interest, is yeah. toxic, it needs change. Yeah. But it's very, very complicated. Yeah. And everyone used to say to me, well, why aren't you buying 100%? You haven't got the money. It wasn't the money. You know, there's a long line of credit facilities waiting to buy the club, and there's a lot of billionaires waiting to buy that club. It's the fact is what I've said, which is the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Yeah, complexity. Because you would deal, have, yeah. obviously, why would you not want to buy a hundred percent? I mean, the logic yeah. is, of course, I want to buy that, buy it all. Yeah, but we, you couldn't you physically yeah. do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Alan on Instagram has asked a question so he said as a multi-business owner buying a struggling company what are the first things you do to try and turn it around so obviously find out what was wrong in the first place why it's struggling so analyse that really really quickly um, that could be a combination of too much cost not enough sales they're really simple stuff yeah, yeah. could be people um, you've got to be brutal so you've got to move fast um, depends how much capital you've got to go in with will we'll dictate how your plan's going to work and how long term it is so you know if you've got more capital you can have a longer term view and a longer term mm. plan you know but you shouldn't be afraid to go in and go I've got to do that that and that and get it done um, business is business you haven't got many friends in business so again you know you spoke very fondly about your staff next door but they're yep. just they're just staff and their business yeah and you might have to have a conversation with them one day yeah and it might not be very nice yeah but they're not your friend yeah generally and if they are your friends you've got to tear that away a bit yeah so you've got to be brutal have the conversations do what you got to do go in boom 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 okay Jay on Facebook has said um, this was a bit of a gym shark question I suppose well I suppose it's not a gym shark question it's more of a Ben question what set Ben apart from other young owners that you've met along the way what made him different um, or maybe he wasn't different I don't know no no he is um, he's a really talented young man um, his ability to go against his nature which is not a very trustworthy nature and he met two people in myself and Steve that he learnt to trust implicitly and if you speak to his dad like his dad it's like I've talked to his dad and it's almost like he was like a son to, to me mm -hmm. as I looked at it and Steve yeah. as well Steve was saying you know, he was like a son he trusted us enough to let us do what we wanted to do with the business and him to get on with his bit. Yeah. Whereas, you know, um, other people wouldn't do that. And if you look at the success of the business, you know, it happened after myself and Steve joined and a lot of others. There's, you know, don't just think me and Steve did all the work. No way at all. There's a lot of other people in there and I could just reel them off, you know, ranging, you know, from people in tech to people team and everything you know that yeah. was brought in over time and some people brought in and went back out again by the way you yeah. know people brought in and out but having that trust element to say okay I've got these guys here with a bit of grey hair they know what they're talking about and they know they know what they know yeah and I know what I know yeah so you know um, that was the element that he got takes quite a mature humble person to do that i think yeah at any age i think let alone being younger and and also young people tend to think you know know it all a lot of them especially do. if you've done yeah, it yourself I've met so many i yeah. mean you know yeah i've met loads since and i've met a lot of humble people as well yeah i think the the proof's in the pudding on this and that's what we did we did prove it but i think from ben's point of view he um 
he just got that side of things um and and we were also comfortable with that sort of triangle where ben was at the front yeah and me and steve were here almost like sort in a shadow face of the brand type thing yeah because yeah, it worked and still then, works you know, today doesn't it yeah really, and we, yeah. we didn't get jealous about him taking all like we used to, I used to have a laugh with ben I'd, I'd build an office and he'd go and almost like open it and youtube it as yeah. if he'd done it with his screwdriver and his yeah yeah and yeah. his hard hat and we used to just take the piss out of it but I didn't mind that because yeah. again, he, you know, no good. Some old boy wandering around telling them how he built the place. Yeah, everyone who's important in our life knows who did what. Yeah, and that's okay. But yeah. you know, from the consumer facing, it needed to be Ben who was explaining it and what. I think he'd it's done, the, the story of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the right it thing to do. Makes sense, doesn't so it's it? That yeah. Humbleness from both sides, really, of us like going. Well, you know, we're as important as he is. Why aren't we at the front? Jay's interested in that, by the way, because he um, he. He's a uni student. He's starting to do a lot of media work and stuff as a uni student. He's started a platform that basically is, um, he's got podcasts, he's got YouTube stuff, he's got social media, and, and he he and a couple of the other guys um, have got this platform to help other students, young people, yeah. um, get information that they can tangibly actually use. So he was really interested in kind of, because he's a similar, would have been a similar age at that time to, to Jay and his mates, what, what set him apart. Yeah, you know I mean? I've had yeah. so many people since then, you know, and I do these half an hour with people yeah. I do a couple of three half an hours every week with people who just contact me and want half an hour to, they can, you know, it could be a business pitch it could be just some yeah. knowledge or whatever yeah. but it's quite similar and I really enjoy it yeah no keep, keep like you said you're constantly soaking up even though yeah, know, so, soaking so up from everywhere well. and getting and that meet, energy Yeah, you meet so many different people with so many ideas so Ashley has said uh, what motivates you now as a successful millionaire rather than where you were in your late teens uh, it's learning still new things like I'm constant I'm a pain in the ass to my girls for certain because I just I, I, I'm always looking at something A to look for the easy way of doing it which we spoke about earlier Yeah, a better way of doing it and just like what if we can do this will this work I love doing that sort of thing I love looking at something because I, I look at something like Uber for instance Yeah, what's Uber it's a taxi service. Yeah. There was taxi services before. Yeah. It's just a much better, more sophisticated, experience, modern isn't it? experience. Yeah. yeah. But it's not revolutionary. It's not like, a, like, you know, the wheel was changed to something completely different. Yeah. It's, it's a taxi, a, an app. And that's the <laughs> way. Know, yeah. And I look at that and I'm always looking at those sort of things. So for me, it's just about that. I love, obviously, trying to help people as well along the way. And, you know, for anyone that will listen. Yeah. You know, I'm not always right by any means, and I don't know all the answers. And I know a lot of people who do know the answers, though. Yeah. So I'm quite good at that. Whereas people come to me and say, "Well, you need to speak to this person, and I'll put them in touch." Yeah. And they'll know that that person is a good person. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's also relevant from when myself and Steve met Ben. We could have maybe ripped him off in something like that, you know, yeah. if we'd have been unscrupulous. Yeah. And done all sorts of things, but we didn't. You know, we went we went with it as it should have been, and we've or you could have models. been in that gym and just ignored the little pipsqueak that's got an idea. Yeah, and you know, and that, a lot of people would have done. Why I didn't? You know, it's one of those things, but it's just, I think, you know, yeah, for whatever reason, sliding doors and that sliding doors moment. But I think that says a lot about, and it, what's certainly come through this, as we sort of near to the end, what's come through this with me is that regardless of your history, successes, bits of turmoil, things that have been really difficult, and what's going on in the future you do come across as very humble helpful guy wants to see other people do well 
whether they're family or not um, and, and want to help people and I've got a thirst to keep learning which for me is kind of I'm 35 what I'm most scared about over the next 20 years is I lose my thirst to learn and my energy um, because that, I think that's a, a real part of me and, and know it, seeing you operate and doing what you've done you could have took your money from Gymshark or All Saints and just sailed away and not do anything again yeah. and survived and probably be really happy but constantly looking for that next thing challenging yourself learning from other people less experienced I really really like that as a character trait I think it's it's, it's just it keeps you young as well mm. and again the, the thing you can't do is try and get down with the kids yeah they suss that out straight away yeah 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 you know we saw that at Gymshark so many times you know hat on backwards type of thing yeah you know it just doesn't work yeah it's just having that respect and trying to be you still got to be just be you yeah but you know I have a certain ways people used to say you know like Gymshark people would tell you all sorts about me probably if they could you know I've got my certain ways but that was I'm very straight to the point yeah sometimes to my detriment you know but it was like I haven't got time to fuck around yeah I want to get straight to it because you know I'm 60 odd now yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long I've got left I want to get straight to the point yeah. that's, that's that thing I like to go direct and straight and stuff like that rather than beating around the bush yeah okay and do you think that's a, a positive trait for you it's done me okay so far I mean you know I have to temper it sometimes I mean obviously with a big company you end up with sort of um, I'll use the word HR people teams and stuff like that and there's ways yeah. of doing things but I mean I'm about what's right you know and, and you know if someone's doing something that's absolutely morally wrong then in my my book you've just got to tell them yeah and hopefully be respectful etc you know I know there's lots of things that we can and can't do I think you've just got to be sensible about it now I mean so for instance I was I was building a lot of the offices and stuff for Gymshark and we used to have a lot of the work to do with people in wheelchairs disabled and all that yeah and oh, there was so much that was put forward and you should be doing this and you should be doing that we had a, a young girl um, can't think of a name I went and spoke to her she had a, a, a wheelchair and I said what do you want mm -hmm. what do you what what do you want us to have what do you like in here what works for you what not and she just told me yeah and it was so refreshing Simple. yeah she says paula says i don't want to be made to feel totally special or i want to be as, as, as you know same as everyone else as i possibly can be even though i'm sort of not i'm in a chair mm. but you know said i go out into the street i have a, you know i don't have all the things that people are saying you should have yeah so i get round said but if i can have this and have that i'll be satisfied but it was completely different to what I was being told by almost like regulations and, and think people, they know what they're talking about people know yeah. what they're talking about they want this and they want that well actually they didn't and that to me was like cutting through the bullshit and going okay fine we can work with this but how simple a analogy is that you know talking just to talking to people yeah. listen and talk to people yeah. and you'd have, you've got so much of a better end result that 100%. works for that individual rather than save the company money yeah. the people that it actually involves are happy yeah. the people she'll, are, she'll feel great because yeah. she's part of that decision yep Yep. and she'll hope she'll given the success of it she'll probably hold that close to her heart today yeah someone someone cared enough to talk to her rather than just yeah. do it and think well she must want that sit in the ivory tower and make yeah. the decision to widen yeah. the doorways yeah. when actually this is actually this this make yeah. a real difference to me yeah yeah so that's what we did good okay so what's last question so what's exciting moving forward over the next sort of couple of years what you got going on obviously Hera super super exciting um, I'm just yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I can't believe where that's going to go you know we've got so many ideas 
we're building it as a proper brand. And then the other stuff around me, you know, um, Energym, which is my, my another investment of mine, a guy called Will Flint. So I've known Will since Gymshark days when he was uh, part of an incubator scheme. Okay. Yep. And he came up with an idea which was um, using a, a bike and to get the energy from when you go on the bike and put it into a battery or put it into the grid. And he's been developing that over the years now. We've got that going. So we've just done the first studio in Berlin. Okay. And they're producing and mass produce now. So they're going to be all over the world. So basically you've got the bike. So you can basically go on your bike in the morning if you had a home one or either against a gym one. Yeah. And do your hour on there, take your battery off, put it on your desk and power your desk for the day. Wow. So yeah. just that's just like quite a... Which goes into that sustainability yeah, bit. That you mentioned and that, that's, as well, yeah, that's quite a cute one. You know, yeah. it's quite a nice little sort of... Uh, bit of selling point but the main thing is you know you can have studios where they'll have 20 30 bikes and that will go straight into the grid mm. currently with power and stuff like that producing a rower um a runner and so that sort of thing so again really really exciting for me because again it's it brings fitness in which i'm obviously into yeah with the gyms and stuff like that and your gym's very impressive by the way yeah i love it it's my playground very impressive to the yeah. point where i think i sent you an instagram message and said um <laughs> Now, where do you go to the gym? Because it was it was pretty much better than the most commercial gyms out there. And he's yeah. like, oh, it's mine. It's yeah, like, oh, okay. it's my home gym. <laughs> better than <yeah>. my garage. <laughs> it's like one of them things you think, well, you know, it's, it's my passion, you know. I mean, one of the things I wanted to do back in the day was when I retired was get a gym and just have a gym for myself. Yeah. To have people in it. Yeah. Not to make any money, yeah. just to actually have a gym and go and train, you know, almost every day. Yeah. Um, again, that's one of the things I'm absolutely passionate about. Yeah. So my training is... Paramount, you know, yeah. in terms of business, in terms of my life, my well-being, it's been the major part of what I do. Are you in there every day, pretty much, or five to six times a week? Yeah, yeah. but I lift. I'm not a cardio person. Okay, I'm, I'm allergic to cardio. Yeah, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> so is that is that near? Is that at home? Yeah, I still use LC as well to get yeah. a bit of you know, go and see a few people rather than be a recluse. Yeah, um, yeah, I got. Um, energy arcs which is uh, cyber security so again i'm really interested in that one because again it's different so arcs is about cyber security but most of your attacks will come through your suppliers okay so especially if you're a big company you'll have um really robust uh, cyber security yeah but if you've got bob the guy who does your building he's work, not gonna have anything yeah he might not have anything yeah. And that's where your attack will come through. Yeah. So it'll sort of sneak its way through there. So um, Arcs has got that. Uh, and I've got a fund which is called um, EKA, EKA, which is investing in sustainable, only investing in sustainable, um, sort of um, medical and well-being companies, nothing else, will not entertain anything else. So I'm involved yeah. in that one. Um, and there's a few others as well, bits and bobs. A lot dotting around. Yeah, football's still involved. Um, yeah, we've got some stuff going with football here and there, but uh, that's not not common knowledge yet. It'll come no. out soon. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll be watching. I'm, I'm, I'm ex- <laughs> now, now I know the, the, the lengths that you're going to have to go to to sort something out in that, yeah. on that front. It'll be a bloody great achievement if, yeah. uh, if, you, get the, if you get some sort of a deal facilitated yeah. at some point in the future anyway. Yeah, and, and one of my main things is I will, I will now over the next year, two years, start to drag my time down and have a bit more time with my family yeah you know, get my nephew my uh, grandson with his drill and get him out on the farm on some tractors and stuff like that that's what we do it for isn't it that's, yes. that's what you want to see that's yeah. what you want to yeah. see so I will do a bit more of that 
I promise Holly and George. There we go. There we go. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, Paul, find out a bit more about it, obviously we'll, we'll get you tagged into the bits and pieces when they go up on the pod. But um, if someone wants to f- sort of reach out uh, to you, what, where's the best place to go? I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. That's completely open, obviously. Um, Instagram is completely open. Yep. So I'm on there. So you'll find me on there. No problem. Those are the two, really, that people get me on. And then, you know, um, if someone wants half an hour here and there, I'll get booked in. It sometimes can take a bit of a while, but, you know, um, if it's dead urgent for some reason, then they just say. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I don't mind that at all. Good fun. Perfect. All right, then, Paul. Well, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Appreciate your time. Great. Cheers. <laughs>